0: Hey, everybody. This is Alana with the Dealing with Donor Conception podcast. Welcome to the show. This is the fifth episode that we've been doing. And we kicked it off with, you know, how should I tell my child that their donor conceived? And then, and then we got into the big five reasons that we should oppose third-party reproduction. And I started off with broken kinship bonds. Then we did eugenics. Today we're going to do abortion, and many people think that that third-party reproduction is purely a you know pro-life. We're creating new life, and it, that's great. So um, there's nothing bad about it. How could abortion be rampant in third-party reproduction, and especially like I. I grew up in San Francisco. I grew up very liberal. I used to volunteer for NARAL, the National Abortion and Reproductive Rights Action League. I've since done kind of a 180 and have become pro-life myself. So you can hate me for both of those reasons now. But I I spend time with the pro-life communities, and they're totally shocked that that abortion is rampant in the third-party reproduction industry. In fact, a lot of pro-life young girls they go and they sell their eggs because they feel good about creating new life, or they're surrogates who are you know military wives, um, you know Christian conservative women in the Midwest, gun-toting pilgrim women who become surrogates because they they think we're creating new life here, and that's great, right? And so I'm here to inform you once again about the reality of the third-party reproduction industry, the big fertility industry, and how they in fact operate, Uh, because you might want to know. So abortion is the other side of the coin when you say every child should be wanted, You know, these children are so wanted. Well, the opposite... Let me expand on that. If you want a child, you you should be able to do anything you want to get that child. Because if you want a child, that's good. So you have the right to a child. Um, But the other side of that coin is, if you don't want the child, you can do whatever you want to get rid of the child. And... Abortion is routinely used in third-party reproduction. And the way that it's used... um, Well, first of all, there's a posture towards the child as being a product. And so with any other product, if you don't want that product, you usually have a return policy. So if I go to Nordstrom and I buy a pair of shoes and I decide... No, the two, mm, they don't fit right. I can return those shoes whenever I want, and they'll take them back. I love Nordstrom. This is great. What a great policy. If I don't like the product I buy, I can return it. That's awesome. Um, but when, you have a, when your product is a person, is it then an ethical policy Like, what do you do if you want to return it? I'm sorry, this product isn't what I bought. I paid for a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, smart kid with no health problems. And this isn't what I bought. So can you take it back? Then what do you do? Who are you going to give it back to? You think someone else is going to raise that kid? You're going to put it up for adoption? You're going to put it into foster care? Foster care is like the picking grounds for sexual exploitation, and that's where sex trafficking victims come from. So you are pretty much guaranteeing that child a bad life if you just do that. Um, w- abortion is what people do. So the baby comes out, and it's not quite right for them. So um, there's wrongful lawsuits that that happen. Um, but in the womb, if they can detect that that baby isn't what they wanted abortion is the go-to solution quote-unquote for unacceptable products and i know this because i interviewed a surrogacy attorney and she said that yes um, so when we do this, it's called reduction. It Instead of terminating the pregnancy or aborting the child, you call it a reduction. Um, a lot of times, there's too many embryos implanted. So anytime IVF is used, it's, it's really cumbersome to do an egg harvesting procedure. So there's drugs involved. Um, you take a drug called Lupron, and it... Uh, matures several eggs rather than just one per cycle so you you stimulate multiple eggs using fs synthetic fsh hormones and then lupron kind of matures them all at once and then you, and then releases them all at once and so you harvest the, the eggs and then you have to have a lab technician take sperm fertilize the eggs to create embryos and those embryos are new human lives and you get to pick which ones you implant. So, if you only want girls or you only want boys, you pick only the girls, you pick only the boys, and you implant just those into the womb. And what they usually do is they implant like three, four, or five, assuming that they're not all going to take. So, Octomom, for example, um, Nadia Suleiman, she made headlines because she was, she, she set a world record. She had eight babies in one pregnancy. And that's because she did IVF and they implanted that many embryos plus a few more. And all, you know, eight of the babies took, they implanted, they started growing. And and so now what they do is they realize that there's massive health complications with, with multiples. So anytime there's twins or triplets or beyond, it's very dangerous for the mother and it's very dangerous for the children. So so now what they do is they they routinely abort the extras. So if there's triplets that grow, then they reduce to only two, meaning they abort abort the extra children. And this is routine. They do it every day, a thousand times a day. And it's because the process of IVF and egg harvesting isn't... Holistic and it isn't, it just doesn't quite work as well as other options, ethical alternatives, which we'll be discussing in future podcasts. So, we have this common practice of pregnancy reduction, which is abortion for multiples, anytime there's IVF. So, anytime there's an egg donation, boom, the risk of abortion is there because you have to implant extra embryos. And on average, 15 embryos are created f- for every IVF cycle. So if, if you're a person, maybe you're religious or maybe you just know what an embryo is, but an embryo is a f- full human. It, the, the DNA is complete. It's just the youngest life phase for a new human. And so the 15 new lives are created in every IVF cycle and usually only one or two Survive. So if you're pro-life, think about all those new souls that are being created, all those new people, um, to then just be discarded or aborted in the process. I heard it described once before as IVF is like it's like taking a dozen babies and throwing them f- across a canyon, you know from one cliff to the other and hoping that a couple of them land. And it's a good analogy. It's it's basically what's happening here. Uh, so, of course, I got some stories for you. Um, there is a famous surrogate that came out of California. It's called the Melissa Cook case, and Melissa Cook was a, I think, Los Angeles or San Diego based surrogate mother, and she. Uh, signed up because she wanted to help a couple and be a surrogate and create a new life. And unbeknownst to her, the man that she was creating a child for was a, uh, a single man living with his elderly parents um, in their home. He was deaf, single, gay, gay, postal worker who had not too much money, but just enough to do a round of egg donation and surrogacy. And he hired Melissa as his surrogate, and they implanted several embryos, as they do, and uh, triplet boys were conceived, triplet boys. And this man uh, freaked out, and he decided, I can't afford to raise three boys as a deaf postal worker by myself, caring for elderly parents. Um, And so he asked Melissa to abort. And the number went back and forth. I think first he wanted her to abort two of them, and then he changed his mind to only one. But Melissa didn't want to abort any of them. These are like, she felt them kicking. She understood these are like real people, and... I'm their protector, and as mothers usually do. And by the way, the surrogate mothers are always the ones who choose life for these babies. They just get it. Um, They get it. But anyway, she refused, and she took them to court, and she said, no, I'm not going to abort She said, I'll take care of them. She had, I think, I might not... I want to say she had four kids of her own, but I might not be right on that. But she already had kids... She offered to take care of these boys or the extra boy, you know, to to raise them so that we didn't have to they didn't have to abort him. And he sued her. The postal worker man sued her. And it it's a really sad case. She she gave birth to all three of the boys. Um he he got custody of them. And the man's sister has testified in court, saying that that he's a completely incompetent parent. Um, she's the sister has testified that the the triplet boys are being raised in the basement in filthy conditions, eating food off the floor, um, and it's deplorable is the word that his own sister used, and she advocated to, for the removal of these children. Uh, so. That's just one case. There was another case of a a woman. I think her name was Crystal Kelly. Um, And I believe I should have had my show notes here. I'm just going off the cuff right now. But I think she was a New Jersey surrogate. No, Connecticut. It was in Connecticut. And in Connecticut, she signed up to be a surrogate. And then the baby that she gestated uh, developed a cleft palate a heart anomaly, and there was another disorder that the, that the child had. And the parents, the commissioning couple, they said, we don't want this baby. And they offered her $10,000 to abort the baby. And this is a single mom, really low income. Uh, she didn't know what to do. She she freaked out. And she's pro-life. The reason she was becoming surrogate is because she wanted to, because she was her life pro child, you know, she wanted to she wanted to create a new joyful life for a couple that wanted the child. And and so she actually ended up fleeing to it was either Michigan or Wisconsin, where the surrogate is deemed the natural mother. So she she went back and forth. They refused, they didn't want the baby. Um they demanded that she have an abortion and she just couldn't do it. She said, no way. So she packed up her kids and she she went to a state where she would be declared the natural mother. And she found a couple with the financial means to take care of the child um, who already had another special needs child of similar difficulties. And so she found this child a home and now the biological father of the kid has visitation rights, but uh, the couple does not have custody over the child. But these are two examples of surrogates being pressured into aborting children um, for various reasons. You might be interested in a film called Breeders, a subclass of women, which was produced by the Center for Bioethics and Culture Network and a woman named Jennifer Law. Um, Breeders has several other examples of surrogates who were poorly treated, um, coerced into aborting the children that they thought were so wanted. And those women's stories are very, very powerful. Very powerful. So you can get that on Vimeo. Um, You can look it up, I think, Uh, Jennifer Law and the CBC did another film called Big Fertility, which is available on Amazon Prime, which I highly recommend. So this is all just to describe to you how the fertility industry actually plays out and what people are experiencing. Um, Abortion is, is very common in the fertility industry. So if you think that you're supporting a industry that creates new life and it's benign and it's innocent and it's good Um, you need to rethink that because that's not how it actually is okay well thanks for listening to this episode Uh, next week we're going to talk about human trafficking and and then after that we're going to talk about serious health risks so um thank you this is alana with the dealing with donor conception podcast.